Hey, what's up, guys? Clint McGill here with the Strong Mind Sports Podcast, and hope you're doing well. And I am very excited to bring you today's guest. Uh, I think you're going to like her. Um, Hannah Huseman, who is the mental skills coach for the Philadelphia Phillies. And the coolest thing about Hannah is that whenever you get to talking about sports psychology, those words just sound so big and intimidating and, uh, you know, it can be very clinical, right? And the thing about Hannah is that she played softball at uh, University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, and uh, just has a good way about her and does a good job of explaining things in a uh, just very easy way to understand, right? And it doesn't feel so clinical and so scientific. You're just, gosh, that's just helpful. I just get that. So um, she's going to share some things here today that I think you're really going to enjoy. So um, before we get to the interview, I want to share with you uh, this week's five-star review. And this one comes from Dan. I have to say I had my doubts. I'll eat crow now. I've never seen my son so relaxed and in the zone. He went three for five this weekend with one walk and three RBI. I can't believe this works so well. Dan. Hey, thanks for sharing, Dan. And uh, that review kind of made me laugh a little bit. Those are always some of my favorites where someone's kind of skeptical moving in. And uh, anyway, because I get it, right? You find something online, you're like, I doubt this does what it says it does, right? But you just need answers, so you give it a shot. And uh, anyway, just very thankful that uh, uh, your son is having some success with the program and uh, continued good vibes sent to him that he can keep it on rolling. So again, thanks for sharing that with us. And uh, without further ado, let's get to our interview with Miss Hannah Huseman. The one thing I want to talk to you about today uh, and really focus on is on confidence, um, because most of the parents that I talk to, you know, all of the problems that they're having with their kid stem down seems like to a confidence route, right? Whether it's um, they're doing really well in practice, but game time, they start to struggle or they're, they're overthinking, they're freezing up, whatever it may be. It always seems to be a lack of confidence. Now that's in, you know, a younger players, you know, 12, 10 years old, somewhere in that range. Um, is that something that you deal with, with at the professional level too? Is that something that just continues to be a, 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 a dragon that you have to slay? Yeah. So, I mean, confidence is confidence. You know, it's, it's something that we learned at a very young age that if you, if you're confident, you'll perform well. And if you're not confident that you won't perform well. Um, so confidence definitely doesn't just happen. Um, and it definitely is still a struggle in the major leagues. You know, it's a struggle for, you know, I've worked with people outside of sports and I've worked with VPs of companies and confidence is a is a problem with people who own companies, you know, and sometimes all of a sudden they feel like they don't have the confidence they have to give a presentation or to do an at bat or whatever you're facing. Um, confidence is tricky because confidence is something that kind of blows with the wind. Um, some days you're feeling really confident and some days you're not. Uh, the question I always ask my athletes is, has there ever been a game that you felt really, really confident about and you've performed poorly? Or on the same side, is there ever a, a game where you don't feel confident at all and you actually go out there and you play pretty well? And almost without a doubt, the 100% answer is, well, yeah, of course. Like, of course, I felt confident and haven't played well or have, um, haven't felt confident and have played well. And so that right. tells us that the word confidence is solely the word confidence, right? Um, so when I'm talking with athletes about confidence, it's the basic message that I try to get across is just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean, mean you have to perform that way. So if you're not feeling confident one day, that's okay. You know, it's how you're going to react and respond to that feeling, right? So if your natural response to, wow, I don't feel very confident today is I'm not going to play very good. 
then guess what? You're not going to play very good. But if you're like, you know, I don't feel very confident today, but you know, I've heard that sometimes confident is this go with the wind thing. So maybe I'll get it. So let's try to almost pretend like we are confident in order to create that confidence. Um, one of the best YouTube talks I've ever seen is by Amy Cuddy and it's about power posing. And she talks about the whole saying, fake it till you make it, but she actually talks about fake it till you become it. So a lot of athletes were like, even when you don't feel confident, you go out there and you act like you're confident. So how does a confident baseball player walk? How does a confident baseball player talk? What do they look like? You know, when you're playing a team and all of a sudden you're like, wow, that team looks really confident. What do they look like? And try to reproduce that confidence persona and that body language. And you'll start messaging your brain that you are confident and hindsight comes right behind and you actually do end up increasing your confidence just by acting like you are confident. But again, I think the the base message of this is just because you don't feel confident doesn't mean you're going to perform well or not well. Um, and a lot of the times people have a hard time grasping that. And so they're like, I need something to have, I need something to grab onto. And what I usually give them is not necessarily having confidence in your ability. So, so much as your physical ability, but having confidence in your ability to bounce back. Um, so my favorite example of this is when you're talking to a basketball player and they're shooting and, you know, your starting guard is shooting, starting two, three position, right. And you're playing and you're shooting and you're off the whole, like first five minutes of the game, you're off. You haven't made anything. What do you usually hear from your coach? You know, you hear, keep shooting, right. Always keep shooting. And if you based your confidence in your performance thus far and your actual physical ability, you you wouldn't make anything, right? But if you base your confidence in your ability to bounce back and you're you're like, okay, coach is telling me to keep shooting, coach is telling me to keep swinging, coach is telling me to be aggressive at the plate, then I'm going to have confidence that I'm going to bounce back from this. So it's almost not judging your if you have to if you have to have to have to have confidence, it's not basing your confidence in your actual physical ability, but in your ability to bounce back no matter what is happening. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. That's really good because I know, um, you know, it's it's one of those things is, uh, you know, not having confidence is really pretty easy to diagnose. You'll see a kid out there that's uh, struggling and it's just, you know, it's it's no secret. And coaches say, hey, you need to believe in yourself, you know, stay confident. And uh, when you're 0 for 10 and you're going up for that 11th at bat, like you can't just snap your fingers and be this this guy that's just knows he's going to get it done. Um, and so, you know, while while, you know, stay confident is is perfect instruction it's uh or it's perfect advice but it's poor instruction you know what i mean like how do you actually process that and go through it and uh you know i think that's interesting about the you know knowing that you're going to bounce back because you know oftentimes we're not, we're not so worried about that at bat going poorly you know what i mean it's about not making the team next year or about just uh you know getting cut or grandma's here watching me play and i don't want to do poorly and then uh you know i know i've had you know, more than my share of bad games out there. And uh, you go home and you're kind of like, well, you know, I'm still, I'm still here. You know what I mean? Like I'm uh, still got practice tomorrow. And, you know, the the downside is never really as bad as we kind of imagine that to be, if that makes sense. For sure. Uh, totally. And, uh, and, and so, so what are some techniques that somebody can do? You know what I mean? Like, I, I like what you said about kind of pretending to be Mm -hmm. um, to be confident, you know what I mean? And just standing like that. Is there any other techniques that somebody can do, whether it's, you know, controlling their heart rate or, or what are things that people can actually take home with them? Totally. Yeah. So, um, before I answer that question, I want to go back to one thing that you did say, and that was, yeah. you know, when a coach says, just believe in yourself, just be confident, you know, all that stuff. 
that's absolutely right. And you're right. It is good um, advice. It's good coaching. But if you haven't taught the kid, how do you be confident or how do you believe in yourself or how do you relax up there? They're not going to know what to do. Um, And so that is what I pride myself in, in mental performance coaching and all things sports psychology is we all know what we need to do, right? We know we need to be confident. We know we need to relax. We know we need to get our heart rate down. We know that we need to enjoy playing baseball. You know, all these studies show if you enjoy it, you play better. But the problem is the how do you do it and why is it important? If If a child or an adult or anybody doesn't know how to do it or why they're doing something, it's not going to hold very much value. It's going to be very, very surface level. Um, I typically refer to it as the top of the iceberg. Um, A lot of the stuff is like, great, yeah, be confident. Okay, how the heck do we be confident, right? And also, why is it important to be confident? Is it even important to be confident? Is it important how we're messaging ourselves? Is it important to relax? And knowing the difference of the what and the how. And so a lot of that resonates with people. So I just wanted to get that out there too. Yeah, Um, yeah. So what's the how? How do we do it? Yeah, so the how, so it, So the really tricky part and the fun part about my job with sports psychology is every single person is different, right? So some people may need to be really hyped and loud for a game to play better. And some people may need to be really calm and really relaxed. So there's no cookie cutter answer. Um, But there are lots of different ways of how you can increase your confidence. Um, So the first thing I was talking about is that body, how we're holding, how we're carrying ourselves. And there's actually something called power posing. Um, You can look it up. And what it is, is you actually, you know, stick your shoulders back, stick your chest up, chin up, look somebody in the eye and actually broaden yourself. We call it like make yourself bigger. Um, And just by doing that, just by standing bigger and like the reason it's called a power posing is because we kind of can put names as it. So we can call it like Superman and you like get in Superman position or like you just put your arms up and you just like make yourself really big. And that's actually shown and studies have shown that that increases testosterone, which is confidence, and it decreases cortisol, which is stress in our body, just by taking a second to adjust yourself and yourself. That's crazy. It yeah, seems so, like seems like magic. <laughs> yeah, and um, and that goes for the classroom. You know, if all of a sudden you have a test and you're freaking out, or a speech, and go to the bathroom. Like before any talk that I do, if I have time, I try to run into the bathroom, look at myself in the mirror, get big, and just be like, "You can do it," you know, and have a self-talk statement, which I'm going to talk to talk about in a little bit. But um, just by the way you carry yourself, can control that cortisol and testosterone levels in our bodies. Um, yeah. And exactly. I can see that with guys that, uh, you know, you see kids that when they're nervous, it seems like they're, you know, they got their elbows tucked and they're holding the bat. You know what I mean? It's just That's like they do. The, they get small. It's like they're getting a turtle. They're just getting as, <laughs> as, as inward as they can. So absolutely. Uh, yes. That's, same that's fascinating. Same goes with opposite. And, and the example I always use is in a class. And when you're in the classroom setting and the teacher is like, who knows the answer? And you don't know the answer. What do you do? Like your, your shoulders literally cave in and your head goes down, you don't want to make eye contact, right? Don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. Um, And you do, you have the actual opposite effect. And that will increase that cortisol, which makes stress levels even higher. Um, Or when we aren't being aggressive at the plate, you know, and a coach says be aggressive and and that just doesn't, that doesn't resonate with us. Like we don't want to be aggressive. We struck out last time being aggressive, you know, or something like that. Um, So that's what's cool about this too, is all of the things that mental performance teaches you on the field is so applicable to off the field too. And I always like am encouraging parents that this isn't just helping your athlete be a better athlete. It's helping them be a better student, be a better son, be a better sibling, and just be a better person all around. Um, yeah, it's a life skill that people aren't equipped sure. with, no doubt. For sure. Um, and it's it's kind of 
taken for granted. I think with athletes now, like nowadays, they like don't even realize that they got all this coaching and what all this means. And it's hard to understand why kids now don't understand how to do these things. Um, but mm -hmm. obviously coaching and everything is changing a lot lately. Um, and the kids coming up are very different than when we were kids. And so sometimes the most obvious things, the how and the why aren't taught. And so we're constantly telling these kids to relax and they have no idea what that means. So um, with that being said, getting into more of the how. Um, so you have power posing. You also have self-talk. Um, so self-talk is the most powerful, powerful tool that you have. Um, and it's commonly crushing us as athletes and as people. Um, I could go on and on about this forever. Um, again, this varies with everybody and different different athletes talk to themselves in different ways and need different ways, different things said to them to perform better. But one of the things that I commonly go to with this is um, everybody knows the golden rule of life, right? Treat others as you would want to be treated. Um, and one of the things we constantly say in sports psych is um, this like platinum rule idea, right? This idea that um, you want to talk to yourself how you would talk to a teammate. So for example, oh, Got it. so for example, if a teammate has a really bad game, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to walk up to that teammate and say, you stink, like you're awful. You should quit. I'm going to go tell the coach you shouldn't even be here. Right. Like, why did you even play? And it can go really, really extreme. Right. Um, and you, everybody kind of laughs and is like, are you kidding me? No, I would never say that to a teammate. And then you're like, what'd you say to yourself? And like instantly everyone's like, well, yeah, like I tell myself I stink all the time. Like I tell myself I'm awful and why am I even playing and I should quit all the time. And so that's the fine balance, right? Is yes, it's okay to be hard on yourself. And I'm like, for one, I'm like the hardest critic on myself. And I do think that attributes to my success, but I think there's a point, actually, I know that there's a point where that self-criticism becomes destructive um, and actually can have the opposite effect as what we want it to have on it. And that goes for parents too, talking to their athletes. You know, I'm constantly getting questions by parents of like, what do I say to my kid after a game? Well, what would you say to the neighbor's kid after a bad game? You know, oh, you wouldn't good. rip yeah, the neighbor's good. kid, right? You wouldn't be like, what the <laughs> heck were you doing out there? You're embarrassing me. You know, right. you'd say, hey, you know, that was a tough game. You're right. Like, it wasn't the best game you played, but I really enjoyed watching you play out there and maybe try to find the one thing that went well in the game, right? So the saying that every day isn't good, but there's good in every day. Every game isn't good, but there's probably good in every game. But as human beings, we're trained to notice all the bad, right? Like going back to our old, old ancestors who were hunters, right? We're not trained to notice the little bunny running through the forest. We're trained to notice the wolf who's going to attack us if we don't see it. Um, right. And so we are naturally trained to focus on the negative or the bad, which is the one at bat. Maybe we went three for four today and the only bat we can focus on is the one we struck out. And so it takes other people and parents and and friends and teammates to say, hey, what about the other three at bats, you know? And I think it's important to know when, where that line is and when you're crossing that line. And that's when it's awesome to have a good support system around you to say, hey, you're crossing the line a little bit, right? You're being a little too hard on yourself. And going back to that same statement, I'm all for being hard on ourselves, but there is definitely a fine line of when it becomes helpful and hurtful. So. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. So like, yeah, I mean, every athlete, I mean, me included, I mean, I was just, you know, awful on myself, you know what I mean? And uh, same thing, one for three, like a fine day, but it was, it was, you know, I treated it like it was something else. And um, anyway, is there a special trick that you guys have or any sort of like method for somebody when they're out there, let's say they're out there in center field now, they just had a terrible at bat and uh, the thoughts are there, the negative thoughts are there and they just are. I mean, I think some people might say like, Hey, these thoughts are here. Like I'm, you know, trying to be positive, but I'm just getting these negative thoughts. Is there 
a special way to kind of catch it or you just try to replace those thoughts or, or what's kind of a method that we can use to help um, help slow that chatterbox down or help help make them a little more positive? Yeah, totally. Great question. Um, so a couple of ways to do that. Um, and so my own, this is a little bit of my own opinion on this because I am very realistic in my thinking. So it's not realistic for me to make a mistake and all of a sudden be like, it's okay, la la la, right? And like be all fairy tales and rainbows, which is what right. I tell my athletes a lot. And everyone's like, you're right. Like, I don't want to do that. It's okay to be mad. But the rule is you can only be mad for a certain amount of time. So if it's an at bat, let's say it's the third out right? And you get out and all you have is the time that you walk out of the batter's box into the dugout, put your, maybe you don't even go there. Maybe you just go straight to your position and the teammate has your glove and ready to switch out your stuff for you. Um, but you have until the time you get to your position to be mad. So, and when I say be mad, I don't mean throwing your helmets. I mean, be mad inside your head. So mm -hmm. The biggest thing with baseball is almost having this like poker face, right? You don't want anybody to know that you're really mad at yourself. If you let yourself, one, you're messaging yourself. That's the worst thing you can do is message yourself that you're mad at yourself, right? Because your body is going to listen to whatever your brain is telling it, good or bad, realistic or non-realistic. So if you're if you're telling your body, you suck, you suck, you suck, your body's going to follow that. And your body's going to start going inward and you're going to increase your um, cortisol and decrease your testosterone and you're literally just going to go downward. It's going to have a snowball effect. Um, but I do believe that you have to have that time to relax and be mad. And so it's all up here. Maybe you take a couple of deep breaths. I'm a lot of breathing and there's resetting routines. There's all these things that you can practice. Um, there's replacing the words that you're saying to yourself and being more critical and more, you know, okay, yes, this happened, but here's what I'm going to do now in the field. Or, okay, you know what? Yeah, that really sucked. I didn't play very well. I didn't have that bat that I wanted, but now I have a chance to go back into the field. And you know what? That picture's, that picture's not going to get me on that next inning, right? So it's having almost this competitive spirit of, you can say the statement. Okay, so something happens. So a stimulus happens. So you strike out. Mm -hmm. And then our bodies have an immediate reaction to that strikeout, right? I suck. I throw the bat whether it's a physical, verbal, mental, whatever your reaction is, you have a reaction and you can't control that reaction. But what you can control is the response to that reaction. So um, you strike out, your reaction is I suck. What is your response to that? Is your response to that? I'm not going to play good the rest of the game. I have a bad attitude now. The coach called the wrong pit. Like I shouldn't have even swung at that. He told me to right. hit, it, hit away. Like he told me to take it and it was right down the middle. Like I'm mad at him. Or are you going to say, strike out. I suck. Okay. You know what? Yeah, that wasn't great. That wasn't what I wanted, but that's not how I'm going to play the rest of the game. I have an opportunity to go out into the field and play really well in the field, or I'm going to have another at bat or guess what? There's always another game. Um, but that, that, that response statement differs from everyone, right? Some people like to be a little harder on themselves. Some people need to be very gentle on themselves. Some people need a teammate to come slap them on the back and say, Hey, you got this. Maybe you need to think about that what would you tell a teammate if they were in the same situation, right? That whole platinum rule thinking coming back. Um, but it is, that's kind of the formula, right? You have a stimulus, you have a reaction, and then you control the response after that. And so if you choose to let that snowball effect downward, then that's your choice, right? Or you're like, you know what? That really did sink. But guess what? Everyone in their world, everyone in their mom and dad, and all the professional baseball players strike out. And I, this was my time. I struck out today. I struck out right now. And I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to try to get over that. 
Um, but that okay. statement, that response statement is different for everyone. And you kind of have to play around with it. And you want, again, you want something really realistic. You don't want to say, but I'm going to hit a home run next time right? Because if you actually go too far and are too optimistic, then it can actually have the opposite effect, right? If you tell yourself you're going to hit a home run every at bat, right? We know we're obviously not going to do that. Nobody does that, literally no one. Uh, but if we say that all the time, then we're going to constantly be let down and feel like we're even more of a failure than what we're actually doing. So you want to make sure that, that that response that you control is as realistic as you can make it. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think giving yourself that extra time to actually be mad, because like you said, it's just not realistic just to say, hey, don't worry about it. It's okay. You know what I mean? When like you're dying inside, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I remember uh, one game specifically. I don't know why I quite remember this so much, but um, in the minor leagues, I remember I was struggling all season long and uh, it was just coming to a head. And my first three at-bats of the game, I didn't do very well. And it was like, seven of the worst innings of my life like I'm really just like just stewing over it it's just pure awful and then my last at bat somehow some way a miracle happened I hit a home run right like mm -hmm. I don't know how in the right you know in that state of mind I could do that but I did and uh, suddenly one for four the home run was like a good day <laughs> you know what I mean and I remember like being in the locker room afterward at clubhouse and being like man like that was you know I was like in depression almost there for about two and a half hours. And I, and then I just wasn't, you know what I mean? Like what, yeah. it was kind of a eye-opening experience. And like that self-talk when you let it get out of hand, I mean, it, it can just destroy you, you know, and there's still game to be played and still ways to contribute. And uh, you know, like I said, it, it it's uh, unnecessary and it feels like it, like it's, Hard to control, but it, it does seem unnecessary to have to deal with that. So, yeah. Um, and go anyway. and like going off of that, you know, I think a lot of coaches would disagree with that. would disagree that they don't need time. They need to snap out of it. But I think yeah. you give the players so much when you say, hey, it's okay to be mad for a second. That stinks. Nobody likes to strike out. Nobody likes to do this. Nobody likes to do that. Right. But right. we have to get over it quick and quickly because the game only is nine innings or seven innings, however old you are, you know. And so right. I think it's important to, give them that, you know, it's okay to be mad right now. You know, you fail a test. It's okay to be mad. You should be mad, right? If you weren't mad, it means that you don't care, right? And so right. that's why I think it's important to say, like, if they're like, oh, I don't care that I struck out, it means you don't care. You don't care about your performance. You don't care about winning or losing. You don't, you really just don't care. And so I'm like, it's normal to feel that way. And it's actually a good thing to feel that way, right? Because you want to play so well, like you want to succeed and we want you su to succeed. But that's what makes the game of baseball and all sports so fun is that you know that the reason it's so fun to succeed is because you have a chance of losing, right? If, if you won everything, if we were successful in everything we did, it wouldn't even be fun anymore, right? I ask this, like, especially to the younger kids, I'm like, do you want to win all the time? They're like, yeah. And then you really start to think about it. And it's like, if you won all the time, why, what's the fun in playing ever, anything, winning all the time, making hundreds all the time, right? It's like, are you ever being challenged? Are you ever being pushed? Are you ever getting better? You know, you're just always just like, no, oh, yeah, we won again, right? And so the reason victory or uh, successful at bat is so successful is because there was a chance that we could have struck out or there was a really high chance that we could have failed. As we know, majority of at-bats were failing, technically failing, right? So I think it's very, very important to have that and to know that it's okay. And it's your response to that, that technically makes you the player who you're going to be. And I think the most elite players are the people who can bounce back the fastest, right? And again, going back to that confidence thing, you're not having confidence in your physical ability, because if you were, you wouldn't be confident at all. But if you have confidence in your ability to bounce back, okay, that wasn't the best at bat, but guess what? This pitcher's not going to get me next time. 
right? right. There's no way this pitcher is going to get me next time. And almost have that swagger about you. Like you got me this time. Good for you. Right. Or I missed this call or this, whatever it was, but it's not going to happen next time. Right. And so that's so different than being like, Oh, I can't believe I struck out. I suck. Like, why am I even playing anymore? Right. And so it's like, you control that. And the key to that is it can be practiced. Um, and so that's what I was going to say is mental skills. Commonly, people think it's a one and done thing. Like they come talk to me, do a session, and all of a sudden they're like, got it, know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just like physical skills. You have to practice. Just like guys, if you go to the weight room and you squat one day, you're all of a sudden not going to be as strong as you possibly ever can and strongest person in the room, right? You have to squat all the time. And guess what? It's the same for mental skills. Just like you practice physical skills, you have to practice the mental skills. They're curls for your brain, right? That's how we constantly talk about it is, is ment- what are the mental curls for, for the same physical things, but you're doing it for your mind um, and you have to practice it. And it gets really redundant, just like some workouts, just like doing the same conditioning gets really redundant, just like um, coach hitting fungo gets really, like really, really repetitive, right? But you have to keep doing that because when it comes down to it, your body and your mind are going to go back to their habits and what they make a habit of. And if your habit is to throw a bat into downward snowball, that's what you're going to do in a game. Um, and so that's why it's so important to practice how you would react with a quote unquote failure. And so what is that when you say uh, practicing that on a regular basis? Is that just but like in practice, like literally practice time when you're practicing baseball is making sure that your responses are being controlled? Or is there like a routine that's like 10 minutes before practice that we're doing X, Y, Z? I mean, what does a a consistent practice look like? Yeah, so great question. Um, I typically say as much as you can integrate the mental into the physical, the better it's going to be for you. Um, Because, you know, one-on-one sessions are great. And we get, we get to know each other. We get to introduce skills and concepts and techniques of what they're going to do. But then it has to be practiced. And the best place for it to practice is on the diamond, right? It's like in the dirt, in the grass, wherever you are, on the mound, behind the plate, whatever you're doing, you have to practice it there. Because if you don't, you're never going to know what it's like to do it in a game. Um, and then you expect to just be able to pull it out of your pocket in the middle of a game when you've never practiced it there or that way, or how do you do that? So um, I definitely think it should be introduced off the field. Um, But then I think as a coach or a parent or wherever, as a player, you know, you get, you read something or do something or practice something off the field. And then you make that your one goal for the practice. Okay. Today, I'm really going to practice integrating a breath into my routine. So whether that's in between each play, you know, you get out of your zone, then you come back and you're in your ready position. And right before the pitcher is about to let go of the ball, you take a deep breath to really press, get you focused into the present moment or something like that. Or every time in your batting routine, where does your breath fit into your on your batting routine? And you actually practice that in the batting cages, right? And knowing that every time after this, I'm taking a breath. Because you want to establish those routines so that no matter what happens, you're practicing the same routine. Um and that's that's crucial in a whole nother conversation. But everything goes back to routines again and that those habits and whatever you practice and whatever you make a routine is going to come out in a game. So if what comes out is you taking a deep breath in the middle of your um, in the middle of BP, that's going to come out in the game when you need it the most, you know. So um, as much as you can start integrating the mental side with the physical side, I think that's where you're going to see the most the most um, success and progress for sure. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit more on that breath, because I hear people talking about, um, you know, breath. Is it like in through the nose, out through the mouth? Is it, you know, between, is it just more of a mindfulness to remember to, to 
to do it more than anything else. Cause so, so many times, like once we're nervous, we speed up, you know what I mean? Or like our yeah. mind is kind of moving around. Does it slow that down? I mean, what's the purpose of the breath? Can you explain that just a little bit for us? Totally. So great question. Um, common misconception, right? Everybody knows you should be taking a breath, but nobody knows why, why are we taking this breath, right? <laughs> right. Everybody, like literally every single person. So, um, the reason, so in my mind, the sole purpose of taking a breath for me is one, you want it to be a belly breath, which means, um, I'll just show you guys one of the exercises I do with my athletes is you put a hand on your chest and you put a hand on your stomach and you have your players inhale through the nose. And when they do that, your chest isn't going to move. So your chest should not move. Your stomach should actually blow up like a balloon on the inhale. So this is called belly breathing, right? We want to get that air and oxygen all the way down into our diaphragm. And then when you exhale, that stomach's going to deflate like a balloon deflating, right? And so your chest shouldn't move at all because a lot of people, it's like, right? And right. that doesn't do anything. That's, I mean, I guess it can, but so the purpose of this is because when we're born, actually little babies and infants, if you watch a little baby breathe, if there's, you have any little siblings or sons or daughters, watch a little baby breathe and they breathe with their diaphragm. They, be, they breathe through their bellies. And so at some point in time, we start doing that, right? And we start just breathing through our chest. It's faster when we're out of breath. We're just like, right? Really quick, short right. breath through our chest. And the key is to get it down into our diaphragm. So that being said, once you teach the athletes or athletes, once you start doing this and you start doing this properly and you start just moving your belly on a breath, that forces you to think about your breathing, right? So one of the things I do is I tell my athletes to do that and we'll do it a couple times, a couple times, a couple times. And then I'll stop and say, relax a little bit. And I'm like, what were you thinking about when you were taking that breath? Okay. And the common answer is breathing. Uh, my stomach coming out, uh, my stomach churning, right? I was feeling a little lightheaded maybe if we've done it for like two or three minutes, right? right. But all of it is present moment. And so to me, what's crucial with the breath is one, you have to do it right or it's not going to work. And two, once you do it and you know the purpose, because you have to stop and you have to force your stomach to expand and contract. And so you can only be thinking about that. There's no way you can be thinking about the at-bat that you just struck out and your stomach inflating and deflating, right? There's no way you can think about those two things at the same time. You have to try really, really hard. So when you stop, and you're solely focusing on your breath, it pulls you into the present moment and pulls you out of the past, pulls you out of worrying about the future or stressing about what just happened in the past. And it pulls you into the present moment. Um, if you want to get really scientific with it, technically four seconds in, four seconds out and a two second pause is the best thing you can do. But I'm more concerned with just stopping. If you can get that belly to rise and flatten and it's two seconds each, I think that's more beneficial than sitting here like, you know, not knowing why you're breathing or how to do it or, oh, I didn't get four seconds or four seconds out. I think the numbers aren't as crucial as people believe they really are. Um, as far as from a mental standpoint, not like an actual physical stand, you know, it might be getting right. more oxygen in. Um, but I think the whole point of a deep breath for the mental game to me is to pull you into the present moment. Um, and with that, it will help slow your heart rate down, pump more blood through your veins and muscles and everything and get you back on track to where you actually want to be. Um, but I think the most important part is that it's pulling you into the present moment because usually when we don't have confidence or when we're stressing or when we're worried about things, it's because we're in the past or we're in the future and we're not right here right now. It's, it's hard to be stressed and not have confidence when you're 
in the present moment. It's hard. Like when you're in the present moment, you're feeling good. You're, you're in that state of flow. You know, when we're flowing, it's because we're right here right now. You know, mm-hmm. usually you don't find athletes in a state of flow who are thinking about what's for dinner or the hard day at school that they had or the test that they failed earlier in the day. Right. So I think that's the most important point of a breath for sure, especially yeah. in baseball. That's, uh, that's cool. Yeah. The breath, that's, that's such an interesting thing. Cause like you say, you yeah. hear it and then, uh, you know, you don't realize that people are kind of holding their breath maybe sometimes, Absolutely. you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I had heard something, that, what your explanation behind it was, reminded me of uh, Sean Green, who played with the Dodgers and Mets and, you know, Blue Jays for a long time. Uh, he was a big mindful meditation type guy. And one thing that he would do when he found that he was, you know, out of the present moment or his mind was moving too much, he'd take his bat and really uh, hit his cleats really hard. And uh, it, it put the sensation you know, outside of his mind, you know what I mean? Just like how the breathing is going to help, you know, bring you into the body, you know, so does with the feet or whatever, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so, so it seems like performance is a lot better. You're, you're, uh, you know, there's a, the inner game of tennis is a really good book that I enjoy. And, uh, the guy talks about self one, who's the little chatterbox and self two, who's like the body. And like when that chatterbox is going on, um, self two, who's the better athlete, the better performer, can't perform properly so when you get in the body like that through the breath um that's just ideal like you said slow the heart rate down i mean one it brings you into the the physical belt body the physical world and uh also you know has those physiological advantages too as, as more than just you know hitting your feet necessarily but uh um but anyway that's good stuff so anyway yeah. before we leave yeah. hannah is there uh is there anything if you've got uh, a parent out there that's got they got a kid that's uh really talented ball player and uh, doing well in practice, but game time, just really kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, is there one piece of advice that you'd leave them with before we go? So first, my first piece of advice would be it's totally normal. Um, almost every single player that I've worked with has had that problem, right? Uh, you get really nervous when it's a game time or when game's on a line or it's a big at bat. And right, coaches always say, like, you want to be the person who wants the ball. You want to be the person who wants to have that at bat, right? And sometimes it's not that easy, right? But first of all, one, it's totally normal for your kid to feel that way. Kids, if this is you, if you're out there, you get nervous during a game, it's totally normal. The problem, the, the how do we how do we handle that response? How do we handle that stimulus, right? And it's, first of all, nor- nerves are so normal, right? You're nervous because it's a big game. You're not sitting at home watching TV, watching your favorite movie, right? You're not you're not chilling at the beach, right? You're in a ball game. You want to win. Your heart rate should be up. Going back to what I said earlier, if your heart rate wasn't up, I'd be more concerned, right? I'd be like, right. do you care about what you're doing? So one, it's totally normal. Two, you kind of should be normal. It's a big game. You want to win. You want to be successful, right? And three, one of my favorite quotes of all time is you're going to have butterflies, right? You're going to have butterflies in the stomach and you just want to make sure that your butterflies are flying in formation. Um, so you want to make sure that your nerves and your body reacting. So whether you have a stomach ache before a game or your palms are sweaty or you're all of a sudden sweating profusely, or maybe you have cotton mouth and your mouth's really dry, that's your body telling you that it's time for a performance, right? Again, it's like your body, your heart rate's supposed to be up. Your body's supposed to be kind of clammy. Like you're getting nervous. You're excited. It's a big game. It's a fun time and you want to perform well. And so again, it's that natural response or that natural stimulus and how are you going to respond to that right are you gonna freak out and be like oh no i'm sweaty and like i'm freaking out i don't want to play i'm not confident i'm not i'm not i don't i don't feel good la 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 right or are you gonna be like you know what this is my body i'm supposed to feel like this i'm not chilling on a beach i'm about to go play some uh, play a really good team who's has a really good pitcher and i'm a little nervous and that's okay that's just my body saying you're ready to go play 
Um, so that would be my piece of advice for that. Um, and that nerves are totally normal. And that the more you start to message yourself and be that confident persona or whoever you want to be, um, the better it's going to get and the faster you're going to be able to bounce from this to this and be more confident and be the best version of yourself mentally. Yeah, no, that's cool. The, um, I know, you know, what, like, like you said, when you said, you're not nervous, you're ready. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of reframe it where, you know, there's people that, you know, they can't, uh, whenever they're in the game type situation, they've got a couple of extra miles an hour on their fastball that they just can't access at, you know, during a, a practice setting, you know what I mean? And, uh, and same with, you know, it hitting and that sort of thing. It's like, you almost get that, those, those nerves, you can almost look at them as superpowers and not, and that is something that, uh, is abnormal. So I really like how you kind of reframe it there. So that's, yeah. uh, that's really good. I love but, that. Uh, superpowers, nerves create superpowers. I love that. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. So, all right, Hannah. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was fantastic. A lot of good stuff that, um, you know, it's like the number one problem and the fact that we're putting these kids out here playing a difficult game and just running them out four or five years old and just say, good luck to you and yeah. don't give them any sort of strategies on how to cope. Uh, yep. just seems unfair. So I, I really, um, you know, appreciate you spreading the word and, and uh, helping these people with these problems. So, uh, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Clint. Good luck with the Phillies this year. Yeah, so, go Phillies. Uh, thank you. Yeah, there you go. All right, Hannah. Thanks again. No problem. Bye.